You're now listening to The Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Co-op Podcast, episode 211. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good. I hope you guys had a happy independence, and I hope you didn't get too drunk or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I'm doing good at the moment. That's awesome. I also have the same sentiment. I hope nobody got too drunk uh, on 4th of July. <laughs> Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? Hey, man, it's going good. Happy to be back. <clears throat> Absolutely. Happy to have you back as well. Uh, we're also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How's it going, Dana? Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Yes. And we have a special guest this week from my Amada. We have Nigel. How's it going, Nigel? Cool. Hi, it's going good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'd also like to extend my happy uh, Independence Day um, wishes to you guys. And hopefully everyone's still got their arms and legs. That's like nothing got blown off. <laughs> yes, we appreciate that. Oh, yeah, we're all here in one piece, you know. So, yes, I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. All right, so uh, we may be joined by Mr. Lugo a little bit later on because uh, he is currently busy at the moment. But, uh we do have a couple of topics to get into this week, but before we do that, we're going to let you all know what we have been playing. So I'm going to let our guest, Nigel, go first and uh, let us know what you've been playing. Ah, cool. Okay. Uh, I've actually just recently been playing an old game, Tomb Raider. Well, not the original Tomb Raider, because that would be really old, but the uh, <laughs> on PlayStation 4. Um, so yeah, so I was recently uh, recommended to kind of get back into Tomb Raider. So I just completed that game uh, during the week and really enjoyed it. You ever played the second one? Rise of the Tomb Raider, I think it is. Yeah, that's Rise so, of the Tomb So I've got to get to that one next. So I played, because um, I had finished Uncharted and then I went straight to Tomb Raider. So it was an interesting um, comparison. And it, it, well, actually it took me a while to not make comparisons between the games and just enjoy Tomb Raider for the game it was and then it's a yeah, really good game yeah fair yeah I know that um, some people mostly the older fans had a lot of complaints about how there wasn't really any tombs but other than that they really enjoyed the game so yeah that makes sense yeah. like, I enjoyed it but I didn't really play a lot of the older ones unfortunately okay I did play um, the first couple uh, and then I stopped uh, for a long while. I, I mean, the word tombs. You kind of had to like really look for them and go off the uh, the scripted path to go and like discover things, which I did on occasion. But um, yeah, I think aside from that, uh, I think it's yeah, a really well made game and a good return to form for the series. Yes. Hey, and yeah, yeah, I do agree that uh, it, it is a really good game. The uh, I know the lack of tombs did bother some people. I I was somebody who did question that, but 
yeah, you definitely have to play Rise of the Tomb Raider when you get opportunity. That that game is is a lot better. You know, it does have more tombs, uh-huh. uh, but uh, it's a much more personal story. Um, but yeah, it's still a very good series. Looking forward to the next one. Um, so uh, one thing that I want to say real quick, and I probably should have did this in the very beginning, uh, Nigel. Uh, I know that you are with uh, Maya Mata. Uh, I definitely wanted you to talk about that for those that, you know, maybe they didn't check check out when you was on the earlier shows. Let us know what you're doing right now. If you have any updates on any events that you're, that you're working on. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, uh, so I guess for anyone uh, that doesn't know, uh, Maya Mata is um, my, my company and we're a British manga brand. So we've created a universe of characters and stories and we write and publish uh, our own manga style comics um so we're based in london and as well as the comics we also do like clothing based on the characters and uh storytelling workshops uh typically with young people in schools uh, and then we also have our own video game event uh, called gamepad which we run uh london because uh london's like a comfort zone so we don't like to leave just do everything in london um so yeah we've got a uh, an event coming up in September. So we've been running this event for a couple of years now. And in December, uh, just before Christmas last year, we moved into a new venue. So we've been there for two events and our summer event uh, is coming up. So we're hoping to have some new games, um, ARMS, Tekken 7, uh, as well as some like, favorites for people. So uh, Super Smash Brothers, which is uh, always gets a good reception. Uh, Mario Kart, um, which works well. And yeah, the idea is for us to create a social gaming event that just brings different types of people together to sort of have fun in the same space. Um, yeah, same space. So it's like guys, girls, families as well. And just, yeah, have everyone um, having fun on the day. Hey, that sounds awesome. So you did yeah. say you you said so you so you guys have an event coming up uh September, you said. Yeah, September second. Um we had to push it back, but we're now sort of preparing to get everything and everyone together uh for uh yeah, Saturday. Saturday, September second. So if there's anyone that is in or around London that would like to join us, you can check our website. Uh just like type my matter gamepad and it'll come up and then you can check out the details. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I haven't uh, I haven't been to the new venue yet because I know you got a new venue. Um, I didn't yeah. get to go to the last event, but I, I definitely want to try and make this one. But I wanted to ask, like, have you seen a significant growth in the people attending the event since you moved to the new location? Yeah, definitely. I, I think the first event we had, um, I was kind of, I wasn't sure how it would be taken because the December event was the first one where we went from a free event to a paid ticketed event. Um, so in my mind, I thought that would result in uh, sort of less people showing up, but we actually had the highest attendance that we've had uh, for the event, um, which was great. And then we've got a uh, sort of good support since then. So I think just making that transition uh, has been a good one. And sort of the venue helped the support from other companies. So we've got uh, like Nintendo provided us with uh, all the switches and the uh, TVs, Ubisoft as well, uh, who else, uh, Bandai Namco as well as uh, giving us Tekken. So I think 
that allows us to then go and say, you know, we've got these people supporting us. We've got these games that you can come and play um, and special guests as well. And then, yeah, that's that's helped take the event up to the next level. No pun intended. That's, that's good to hear, man. Yeah, you should definitely try and come. I'm definitely going to because um, I saw all the pictures from the last event and it looks like you had like so much more games and everything and it just looked like a more like um, uh, just like an overall more exciting environment like with all the people who were there yeah. and everything like, and everyone yeah, definitely better more, more engaged yeah so yeah that's good to hear and I'm glad that um, even with you introducing the paid tickets that people were still supporting like that's good to see that shows that you know you've actually caught on with the brand and everything so yeah I, I think people good. yeah people will you know uh, pay for a fun day out and you know people are into games if you like put together something that looks cool uh, event wise um, and you can show like the value of that then you know they will they will come Damn, I gotta get myself out to the UK. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for real. What day? Um, I was gonna ask as well, um, if like you have any um new like clothing, because I know you guys do clothing as well. So have you had like any new additions to the clothing line or anything like that? Yeah. So this year's been a bit weird, uh, in a sense, in that when it comes to uh, comics and clothing, we've been kind of working on things in the background. So um, we've actually, there's a couple projects we've sort of taken on where we're creating comic stories for uh, other organizations. So using our, our characters to tell another uh, organization's story. And just because that is a new process and it's just taking longer um, than <laughs> definitely than I thought, it would have uh, most of our year has been working on on there's a couple projects there those two projects so in the background we've been working on writing sort of our stories our sort of core my matter stories and then when it comes to designs we haven't released anything uh new but we are uh thinking and working of uh, new designs that hopefully we can release in the autumn okay that's cool so you've been a lot a lot busier basically which is yeah, you know, yeah, just like busier working with other other people, just been kind of weird. I mean, in a good way, it's just like a different experience because we're just used to um, like doing our comics, so we just do it and we put it out and we go. Whereas now having to rely on other people and other people's schedules and other people's sort of requirements, so yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting year. That's cool. Yeah, sorry yeah. to cut you off, Rich. Did you have a more questions or anything oh no i was just going to say uh that's awesome congrats on the success the progress is great you know and uh hopefully gary does make it out to the event i have to agree with max i definitely need to get to the uk at some point uh, to one of these (laughs) events but uh you know we'll we'll see what happens but definitely wish you continued success in in everything you you guys are doing thanks absolutely uh, I don't know if Gary, you you did have any other questions that you all set. 
no I'm, I'm just happy that things are prospering and you know the events are getting bigger and everything because it was a good vibe when i went to the other location but it was you know a lot smaller and stuff so i'm glad that there's yeah you have a bigger venue now and you can do more with it you can do a lot more with that space so exactly that's good to see but yeah absolutely. that's pretty much it absolutely yes so we'll definitely uh, talk more about the event as it gets closer. It definitely helped to uh, get the word out to try to get more people there too. Yeah, did you yeah, I appreciate site, that. Like, let everyone know where they can like you know buy tickets and everything like that. Plug your website and everything. Yeah, if you go to uh, mymatter.com slash gamepad, uh, you'll be able to see all the like video and photos from the last event, details on a new event, and then buy tickets as well. Awesome! awesome. Sounds great. Okay, Gary. So uh, I want to give the floor to you now. Let us know what you have been playing. Um, I know Overwatch is one of the games. So what else besides Overwatch have you been playing? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm going to surprise you, but not just yet. But I have played Overwatch, of course. Um, and um, I'm very excited because they announced Doomfist. Um, I'm not sure when he'll be in the actual game, but at the moment he's in the PTR. I just, you know, at the moment, I can't really uh, be bothered to, to to download the PTR just to play Doomfist. And that's because I've also been playing Persona 5 and I've been playing a lot more of it. Like, ah. I played like <laughs> around 10 hours or so, like maybe more than that this week. And it, this game is like so addictive, man. <laughs> like, it's, I've got the Persona bug right now. Like, this is my game. I've, I played um, noticeably less Overwatch this week. Like, I've, I've probably played a maximum of like three hours of Overwatch, which you, usually is a lot more than that. But um, Guys, yeah, Persona. Monumental. Monumental. Wow. Yeah, man. Persona, like the game has so much depth, like the storytelling and, you know, the, the gameplay mechanics, like there's, they're still introducing new mechanics to like the battle system and, how you level up and how everything works and everything. And I'm like, um, almost 20 hours in now, I think. Like I'm past, the, I think I'm past the 20 hour mark and they're still revealing a lot of new additional gameplay elements. And it's not overwhelming or anything because it, you know, it introduces them gradually, but also the game just keeps your interest to where, you know, it's not overwhelming at all. It's just like you actually want to learn these new things and you want to keep progressing because the story is just that captivating and they they deal with some um some real sensitive issues as well with the story um with the storytelling because you know the the main characters are students they go to a school and everything and um, i don't want to say too much to spoil it but yeah man like some of the subject matter is definitely pretty deep and yeah it, i've just never played anything like this i've played jrpgs before but this is like so well put together you know it's very stylistic the storytelling is amazing the humor is there's a lot of great humor in there as well um and the writing is just like phenomenal like it's this game has taken my breath away and um I, i'll even go as far to say as it's my game of the year so far so yeah Persona 5, man, it's amazing. Like, you should believe everything people told you about this game because it's phenomenal. Well, I, I certainly do believe the hype 
I know we've had now you're the third person from from the site that has said it's an awesome game. We know Wesley, one of our one of our other supporters, loves the game. So yeah, I definitely would have to check it out. Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen because, well, I'll get into my games later. But yeah, I have to check it out definitely. Yeah, and I've been like. It's been a while since I've pulled like, well, not all nighters, but I've stayed up late playing this game and I rarely do that anymore because like my sleep is more important now. But for this game, I feel like, you know, I have to get those extra hours in. And sometimes it's, uh, sometimes I don't have a choice. Like, cause the thing is with this game as well, like, cause it's a JRPG, some of the things are a little bit traditional still, like where you have to, you can only save at certain locations. And sometimes like the story gets so deep and it goes on and on and on for like a period of time and you can't save the game. So like it just keeps you playing for a long time. Um, so I've been trapped by that, um, a few times to where like I literally could not put the game down just because I can't save it at all, but I'm still interested enough to keep going anyway. So like, yeah, like you'll, you'll lose hours playing that game. Put it that way. Yeah. I've heard a similar thing from someone I was talking to about the game. Yeah, they're also like super into it. Yeah, man. Are, are you like into a lot of JRPGs and stuff? You personally, uh, Nigel? Oh, sorry, say that again. Oh, I was asking if you're if you're personally into a lot of JRPGs. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I've always been more into because um, sort of real time RPG games. Um, okay. I don't know why, but they've also they've always caught my attention more. So I've not played uh, Persona Five, um, so I don't have much experience with JRPGs. But from what I hear, uh, probably should should get into them. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, it. I mean, it does depend a little bit on you know if you like that style of game to begin with, because you know it's it's turn based combat, and some people are put off by that. But if you do yeah. enjoy that, then then it's definitely worth picking this game up. I wouldn't say I'm put off by turn-based combat. I've just, for some, for whatever reason, just always lean more towards uh, things going on in real time. Yeah. I totally get that. I'm yeah. similar in that respect. Like, there, I definitely enjoy turn-based games, but for some reason, just the real time is always what hooks me a little bit more. That's always just what mm. seems to be happening. I'm totally with that. Yeah, and I can understand that. But, like, even with the turn-based, like, Persona is still... It still has kind of a fast, faster pace to it than like other turn-based games. Like it's not as slow as a lot of turn-based games. It has like, uh, it has a rhythm to it almost, you know, in the combat system, um, which I like. And it's very stylistic. But, um, yeah, if, if you're into JRPGs, definitely this game is worth checking out. Yeah, and Blackstar said, Gary, you were supposed to say it took your heart away. So I guess that you failed in uh, giving the correct marketing materials for the game by not saying that but uh, it's all good yeah. it's all good no, that's a that's a good point because the, the game basically focuses on on you um you have to change the hearts of like you know people who have evil in them and stuff so yeah that, that's a good point black star i should have said that ah uh, no it's all good it's all good uh hey we are also joined by mr jake james lugo how's it going mr lugo I'm doing good. I kind of came in last minute just now because, you know, I was out uh, having some lunch with my parents and stuff, and I was taking care of a bunch of other business, but I'm all good, so I guess I just came in time. 
Yeah, yeah, perfect time. And, and, and since you are here now, I will ask you, uh, so what have you been playing? <laughs> I've been pretty busy doing a couple of different things that we actually, some of which went up this week, which is pretty cool. We have a bunch of new content, including my preview of Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, that just went up on the Coalition. I want to say earlier in the week, uh, it was pretty cool because it actually got shared around by Square Enix, which was pretty dope. But if you haven't checked it out already, the game's coming out very soon. I believe it comes out this week. I'm not mistaken. Uh, check out the preview. It has a whole bunch of stuff on there that you're going to want to figure out. We're going to have a review of the game uh, around release time, so don't worry. We're going to be checking that out. Uh, I also got a chance to check out episode Prompto on Final Fantasy 15. Me and Gary did a whole turn-based podcast about it where we talked a little bit about that. Uh, I also got a chance to play a little bit more Tekken 7, just kind of messing around with it because I've been using some of the different headsets that I've been doing videos on lately over on the coalition. If you guys haven't checked out those unboxing and impressions videos, I really encourage you guys to do so. They're on the website right now. We have about, I want to say about three and technically about five different uh, unboxing and impressions videos, not just on headsets, but on the games case. We have some backpack stuff that we did right before we went to E3. There's a lot of different things that I've been posting up all over the place here and there. So again, besides that, uh, I've just been messing around with some games like that, and pretty soon, hopefully, I'm going to probably be doing some other games down the line over the next like two weeks. I know I'm still playing Crash Bandicoot, the Insane Trilogy, because I'm trying to get all the gems, get all the trophies here and there, so that's what I've been doing. I've been pretty busy all around. Sounds good. Yes, yes. Uh, keeping busy during the summertime. It's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Dana, how about you let us know what you've been playing? <laughs> Yeah, hi. I've been playing a couple of games, actually. I've been starting, you guys can look on it for Thursday on the Coalition. I've been doing a throwback Thursday to different games of the past and playing them now and how it feels differently from like years later. So right now, I've been starting on Pac-Man Championship Edition 2. Um, I've also been playing, you guys don't actually have this. It's in New York City only. The AMC IMAX has the Mummy Progeum Strike. I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing that word. But basically it's a VR game of the Mummy the movie which really sucked but the game itself is actually good. And you play as kind of like Tom Cruise and you're running around trying to kill mummies. And it's really effective in the sense that they're it uses the environment very well and the mummies are just running around. It's kind of like a combination of Resident Evil and just pure chaos. So I've been actually enjoying that and I'm still ooh, sorry, I'm still playing Injustice 2. So those have been my little go-to games for a while. It's really hot down here and I don't like going outside. So those have been keeping me preoccupied. I hear that. That sounds awesome. And I just want to say before I move on to Max, uh, I really do need to play that mummy game so I can see why Tom Cruise is so desirable in the movie, whereas everybody <laughs> wants a piece of Tom Cruise. So I need to play that game so I can see why they sweat this character so much in the He's film. He's better in the game than he is in the movie. Ah, Which okay. Gets, it's, it's weird, but it's, it's, I would just say play the game and just forget about the movie. <laughs> does does he voice himself in the game? I'm genuinely curious. <laughs> I think every I think it is, everyone voices themselves. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, that sounds like interesting. Plan on doing that's movie related based, but right now the Mummy is like the first wave that they're doing. That's IMAX, AMC, 
releases. So it's pretty good. Okay, so we'll we'll definitely recommend the game, but not the film. So that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, Max, let us know what you've been playing. All right, I haven't been playing a whole lot this week. Uh, the two games that have taken up most of my time this week are still Forza Horizon 3. Um, that's actually kind of replaced my casual game time, with uh, which is normally filled up by like Rocket League and Halo 5. I've instead been playing Forza, which is so addicting. I'm still spending a lot of the time in the Hot Wheels section, but I have branched out a bit more to the main game, which is still really fun. I can't say it's as addicting as the Hot Wheels, just because the Hot Wheels is ridiculous, but it's definitely still one of the best racing games I've ever played. I don't know if I've said this before, but to me it feels a lot like uh, the sequel to Burnout Paradise, like, that we never got. It's obviously not as focused on destruction and everything like that, but in terms of how you could just drive around and there's, like, events at most of the intersections and stuff like that, and just the open world discovering different roads and that sort of thing, it's similar to that, um, which is awesome. And then for one of my other projects, I've been playing uh, Fable Fortune for review, that card game that Fable is turning into. And let me tell you, it's one of the most generic card games I think that exists. Like I know Fable, Fable, good series because people really liked the first one. I know the second one was pretty controversial, but I think for the most part people were okay with it. And then third and onwards, people were just not the biggest fan of. And now they're taking that type of lore that was never really that established in the first place to me. The Fable lore was always fairly generic, and they're throwing it into a card game which. In order for a card game to stand out, it needs a lot of personality, and a lot of the personality that Fable did have just isn't in this game. The game is very generic and bland, and all of the characters, they just look like generic fantasy characters, you know, look like something. Like, for example, it, if you're playing Hearthstone, like, a lot of the characters, like, they're unique to sort of the world the world of Warcraft, like, world, you know? You wouldn't recognize them from anywhere else, whereas in Fable, there's just, like, generic humans and skeletons and, like, goblins and stuff. There's a few standout things that are from the games, but for the most part, it's just a lot of that generic stuff. And to me, the game works. Like, it's passable. You know, it's still a card game. It's still strategic, and I'm still enjoying that aspect of it. But in terms of... Uh, compared to other card games, I have no reason to play this one over all the other ones that just do... They all have that still still that complex level of play, that strategic thinking, but the other ones have everything else better. Like, just all the little bells and whistles, just like the personality, the, like the music, the art, and everything. It's just, those, those are why I would pick those games over Fable Fortune. And it's passable. I guess the one thing it has over everything else is that it's going to be on console and it's going to be cross-platform between the Xbox and PC, which I guess is cool because as far as I know, I don't think there's really any collectible card games on consoles aside from, like, Magic or any big ones. The Elder Scrolls one might be. I'm not 100% on that one. but So that's kind of its one advantage there. But other than that, there's really not much to it, in my opinion. But huh. that's about it for this week. It's been a pretty slow week in terms of playing games for me. <laughs> uh, that, that that sounds good, but not 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 so good about Fable Fortune. Um, <laughs> Microsoft better that need, need to do something with that franchise. Hopefully, they you know haven't they will do something in the future. But that's uh, does not sound good. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it's not a train wreck by any means. It's just it's fine. And Fable needs more than fine, especially because it's going into the card game genre where there are a bunch of games now. You know, it needs more than that. <clears throat> I agree. 100%. Uh, so I'll briefly talk about what I have been playing. Um, 
I'm not ashamed to say this, but I did go back and play WWE 2K17 uh, because I know that they announced WWE 2K18. So I wanted to do some research to see, you know, just how much is horrible in WWE 2K17 so then I can come back to that later when 2K18 comes out and see if they've actually made any improvements. Um, and I did try the uh, single-player career mode uh, and I have to say right now, this single player career mode, it, it is promising, but there are a lot of areas that make it fall short of what it could be. Uh, and I was very disappointed by that. Um, simple things like if you win a number one contenders match, you would think, okay, so the next match, I'm going to go against the actual title holder. And then that's not what happened. You're still participating in regular matches back and forth. So very, very disappointing. Um, I have to say, uh, and then they have a promo system that they have implemented into the game, which has a lot of problems because you, you could be saying something positive and then it comes off as negative. I mean, it's still a system that obviously needs to be retooled and reworked. So hopefully they improve that in 2K18 because that game is only coming out on current gen consoles. It's not coming to switch for those that ask. Uh, unfortunately, no, it's not coming to switch. And it is not coming to 360 or PS3. So I'm hoping that that means it's going to be a better game, better graphics and better everything else. But we'll see about that. But yeah, I did spend some time with that. Uh, I did spend a little bit more time with The Evil Within. Still don't think the game is scary, but it is what it is. It's it's okay. It's still a decent game. Looking forward to The Evil Within 2, hoping that that will offer something different. But it may be more of the same. And... It's okay. It's not a horrible game, but it's just not a scary game, in my personal opinion. Um, and I can say, last but not least, I am finally starting to play some of the stuff in my backlog. Uh, no, I have not had a chance to play Horizon yet. Uh, after hearing what Gary said about Persona 5, I know I need to play that, so maybe I will play that. But for now, I have just now started to play Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, so I don't have too much to say yet. Because I'm only on, P I'm, right now I'm only on Ground Zeroes. Um, I'm actually playing Ground Zeroes and then I'm going to go through the Phantom Pain so I can see why a lot of people said the game is great, but it has some issues. Um, so I will have more to say on that next week, for sure. But uh, that's all I've been playing so far. You know, a couple of games, not really too many major games. Obviously, there's a lot more games coming out, though. In the next couple of weeks, leading into August, also, so we'll have more. I'll have more to say next time. But uh, that pretty much concludes what we have been playing for this week. So we're gonna go ahead and jump right into the topics. Uh, in the first topic, I actually have to give the give the floor to Mister Lugo because I did not see the Splatoon Two Nintendo Direct. Um, I believe that Nigel has also played the game, so. Mr. Lugo, feel free to tell us uh, what Nintendo spoke about in this Direct. So just to kind of give a general overview and not get too crazy in depth with it. Basically, they had a Nintendo Direct that was focused mostly on Splatoon 2 uh, because it's coming out very, very soon on Nintendo Switch. They gave an overview of like how the actual matches are going to be like, the, the flow of the game. Very similar to the original uh, but there is a couple little changes here and there. I know that the main hub, which is like the Squid City, has kind of been refined. It looks a little bit more like a giant rave right now, especially with the new characters uh, that are going to be kind of like, I guess, you know, their host which uh, of a new show called Off the Hook compared to like the, the Callie and Marie show. 
that were uh was it in the first splatoon game um it's pretty cool i i guess that if you were excited about splatoon well, when it first came out on the Nintendo Wii, you're going to be excited about Splatoon 2. It's more of the same. Uh, they have a few, like, I want to say extra weapons and a few, like, adjustments to some of the uh, game modes for people that play online and stuff. They obviously have a single-player campaign, which is going to be different, and it gets into more of the story about that world, which is very, very cool. So that was really the main gist of what was going on with Splatoon 2. They did kind of show a little bit of the Nintendo Switch online player, at least with the app, which again, you guys know my feelings on the Nintendo Switch app for the online play with the voice chat and stuff, but they really kind of gave a, a very light overview of what that's going to be like, so that's what that whole Nintendo Direct was like. Okay, that sounds cool. Uh, and Nigel, you said that you've actually played some of Splatoon 2, so, so what do you think of the game based on what you've played so far? Yeah, I managed to play a little bit um, a Switch pre-release event in uh, in London, and I had a lot of fun with it. I never played the first one, um, so I wasn't sure exactly what to uh, expect from the new game. But they had it set up right, so you had um, your people split um, on on teams on either side of a bank of TVs, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. I like what Nintendo are doing with taking like the competitive format in like Splatoon and Arms and just making it fun so people who like myself I would never consider myself a competitive gamer but playing Splatoon 2 would make me think okay I, I can play this because the the mechanics are presented in, in such a way that you know you're firing paint I yeah I could do that I think I can find some paint uh, around the place so uh, I got to play for I think a round or two so it's a very short time but from what I played um, I did enjoy it Okay, yeah, that sounds cool. So I, I, I now I have a question for all of you, um, though, uh, and I have to ask this question because we had this discussion before we started recording. So I wanted to ask you guys now, do you think that there will be more Nintendo Switch units out by the time this game actually comes out, which I believe is July 21st? They had some more units that came out on Amazon. I know I saw Cheap Ass Gamer actually tweeting about it where there was more units in stock, both at Amazon. I think also at GameStop at one point. So I would assume so, especially with that news coming out. I don't know how long it's going to last, though. Yeah, I would hope that if... I mean, this is a big game for Nintendo, that knowing it's coming out, they would make sure there would be more units. So I'd, I'd like to think there will be. Yeah, I think um, I think Nintendo's strategy right now is basically um, send out a huge shipment right before a huge game releases. Like, yeah, that, that seems to be pretty much their strategy at the moment. Because I know it's been uh, hard for you guys in the US to find switches for a while now, but um, I would assume that you know, once any time a huge game comes out, so you know, even with uh, Mario Mario Odyssey later this year, I'm sure they'll send out like a huge. Uh, shipment just so that people are able to you know actually buy the games because that will increase the game sales as well so so yeah yeah uh all yeah yeah i mean all, i mean I, I believe that all of you are correct in what you said i i will say that i did see the amazon uh tweet about the switches and within 20 minutes now it they are sold out again so it's it's, it's still hard to find the Switch. Wow. Uh, I know that I went to GameStop yesterday because I figured, well, why don't I ask them for some information to try to get an idea of when they may get more in? And the guy told me, well, 
what GameStop does is they do sell online and most of the time all those orders online are fulfilled like immediately so they can't there is not it's not possible for them to send any to any store because they're gone as soon as they come online so um say, say what Dana go ahead I'm staring at one where there are currently seven left so I'm pretty sure it'll be gone in the next 10 minutes wait hold on this is GameStop no this is gonna be on Amazon GameStop doesn't have anything Ah. Oh, really? Wow. Interesting. Seven left. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I have to. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to stop. Yeah, I was going to. No, 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 no. The show's over. It's a 20 minute show this well, week. Well, so much for that plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I, I will say this: the, the guy at GameStop was helpful yesterday. He did tell me that you know Best Buy normally gets shipments early Sunday morning, so he said you may want to check. Best Buy pretty much every Sunday early, whenever they get their shipments in. He said the same about Target and Walmart. So what I'm getting at, though, is that I would hope that with Splatoon coming out, uh, they will have more available so that it's not a situation where you still have to. I mean, I'm hoping I think by the time Mario Odyssey comes out, I mean, I, I expect Switches to be everywhere because that is a game that a lot of people will get the Switch for. Uh, so hopefully they get this shortage issue sorted out um, because it, it doesn't make any kind of sense. It shouldn't be that hard to get a Switch. Understand it's a popular console for the moment, but uh, they got to get better with, you know, make the hardware, meet the demands, and, you know, then everybody can have fun playing on the Switch. But uh, we'll I agree. See. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they need to get that sorted out. So we'll see. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to say about Splatoon 2 or Switch before we move on to the next topic? I wanted to ask uh, JJ if... Oh, go ahead, Dana. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just wanted to just say that um, it would be smart of them to release some more by the holiday, but this can end up being... I don't know if you guys are old enough. Remember the Cabbage Patch situation? Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yes. It, yes, and they purposely short they shorted the orders for the Cabbage Patch, and it was the big fights you would see worldwide breaking out over Cabbage Patch dolls. You see Nintendo with <laughs> I hate so hearing hate. about that stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> well, hey, well, 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 during Black Friday. So, so that that that's why you know it is called Black Friday. Maybe it should be called Black and Blue Friday from the fights <laughs> that I've seen. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I listen. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen, but I, I think that is going to happen still. With yeah, e- e- even if the Nintendo Switch is not the main issue, you know, some people may be fighting over a uh, Xbox One X. No, I'm just going to laugh and be sarcastic there. I don't think there's any fights for that one. No. But uh, I'll, yeah, I will let you pay for that one. <laughs> I actually, I really, I saw this really funny tweet. I think it was in, I want to say it was in the UK, but it may have been in an Asian store. I don't remember exactly, but anyways, it was the, it was like the interest in Xbox, the location was, and it showed like a stand with Xbox branding and it was all PlayStation 4 games. This is on Twitter. I thought it was just the funniest thing I've seen in a little bit. (laughs) That's funny. Just because there's no one wanted any Xbox games. <laughs> oh well, they'd be asking where, where, which Xbox games is what they were asking, right? What Xbox games are out there? Right. There was literally there was not one on the shelf. It was literally all PlayStation Four. 
Well, th- those are the games that actually sell, I guess. So, you know, they're making yeah. use of that space. Exactly. Yes. So, G- Gary, what, what was you going to say uh, before Dana had chimed in? Oh, yeah, I was going to ask JJ if, because uh, I know he used to, I used to watch his streams and um, he would stream Splatoon sometimes. And I know, like, that Nintendo are trying to make this their big esport game and everything. So I wanted to ask JJ if, like, if seeing Splatoon 2 really got him excited and, and stuff, and if this is a game he really wants to stream and cover in the future as I mean, well. I mean, I'm interested in it, much like anybody else is. I think that it got a great response at E3 from what we saw, and they had a little event going on at the time during uh, E3 at Nintendo's booth and such. Uh, I think that it's going to take a little bit of time for it to become a quote-unquote esports game out there even though they want it to become something as popular those things don't just happen within a few months or even within a year it does take a a a dedicated community of people really pushing uh the game out there really putting money into events and 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 different types of prizes and also just making sure that the notoriety is consistent for a long time in order for it to become an esports title the biggest problem uh, with that now for Splatoon 2 specifically is because not as many people have the console. The reason why games like League of Legends, uh, Dota 2, StarCraft, uh, Call of Duty, Halo, and other games right now that are considered esports titles or games that could be viable in a competitive scene, you know, both with sponsors and with players, is because those games are easily accessible in a variety of different ways. You could get the consoles a lot easier in people's households in order to play them. With Splatoon 2 right now, because of the uh, situation with the Nintendo Switch, I don't think it's going to be like that for quite a while especially now leading into the holiday season later on this year, Nintendo's really going to have to push out a lot of units out there to get these consoles in people's hands or in people's households in order for that to be the next step for this game specifically. Good points all around. Um, well, I listen, I, I, I just hope that there will be more Switches at some point in time. And so I, 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 I want to get a Switch, but... Uh, I cannot guarantee I will feel the same way months later when all these games are out on other systems. And I know these game, uh, other games that will not be coming to Switch that I actually want more. So it will be a lot harder to make a decision by then. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Rich wants that Rabbids game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> August. August. Yeah, that game, <laughs> that game is fantastic. August. The end of August. But yeah. uh, if, if it, now, like I said, if there's no Switches available by then, though, you know, hey, well... I don't know what's going to happen. Happening. I mean, it'll it'll happen at some point. I guess when it dies down and it's not quite as busy anymore, but it's going to be very busy yeah. with the game releases. So we'll see. Definitely. So, uh, any final thoughts before we move on to our next topic? Uh, I will just say that um, I'm happy, just in general, general, to see the Switch doing well because before it came out, uh, I might have said on this podcast or I said to someone that. Um, I'm, yeah, very supportive of what Nintendo are doing with their new console, and I just think to add something different to the market. Um, yeah, so I'm glad, to, even though I'm frustrated that you know shortages and and all that is is good to see that they are actually selling, uh, and they do seem to have something that people want on their hands. Yeah, I believe um, just a positive, positive note for the Switch. I believe you had um, the Switch at your last gamepad, right? Yes, yeah, we did. So, uh, this was it's just after it came out. So we had a few units. We had, um, yeah, 
people playing um, One Two Switch um, trying that out, and yeah, the people there really liked it. Uh, I got to play a bit more there as well, and yeah, I just want to see them do do more uh, successful things. Really, that's cool. Um, so, was it a good response from everyone who played it? Yeah, definitely. It was, a, it was a funny response, just seeing people like wave their hands about. It works well in that kind of um, environment in that at the event. And is that we had people who are just experienced gamers um, trying it out. But then I remember people playing. Uh, there was a particular person who came with his niece, I think. Uh, and I spoke to him. He had he isn't a gamer he just told me I don't really play games my his son plays games um, but he came with his niece and they were both like into it and that's just what is great to see about the Switch that's good bringing families together that's good yeah (laughs) absolutely Uh, yeah I do agree I'm glad to see the Switch doing well so I hope that Nintendo does have success with that but you know, I will. I will like Nintendo a lot more if they make enough switches. So now, I'll, now I can also join in the <laughs> But we'll That's see. Me. We'll see. To be determined. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, we're going to move on to the next topic. This is a topic that I think Gary, you, you uh, did a little bit of research on. Um, well, you had suggested that this be something we discuss. So. Sony, I believe they said in the, in the past that they were going to add PlayStation 4 games to PS Now. Um, and it will also allow PC owners to play the PS4 games on Windows. Uh, do you want to elaborate more on this? Because I believe there was an update on, on this particular news. Yeah, so now they're actually you know going to be adding um, PS4 games to PS Now. And this was something I wanted them to do. Um, to make that service more, you know, um, more viable and more of an option because obviously, um, Xbox Live, they have Games Pass now. Um, and PlayStation now has just kind of been, it's just there and no one really cares about it. Um, I'm not sure how many subscribers they actually have for the service, but, um, they need, I felt like they, it needed an overhaul. And, um, I think this is a positive. Um, change in you know in, in it, like them moving in the right direction here, but I do feel like this is something that should have been talked about at E3, and I, I understand that at E3 they just want to focus on the games, but they also they they did have those streams as well throughout the week, and this is something they could have maybe talked about then as well to get the buzz going at E3 kind of. Because like this is a big deal because it's gonna allow people on PC to play PS4 games. Now, granted, they will be selected games, so more than likely they're gonna be like really old PS4 games and stuff. Um, but it's still a big deal, and this kind of puts them on a better playing field with uh, Microsoft in terms of you know games on Windows because you know obviously. Microsoft is doing a lot on the Windows platform themselves. Um, so this, you know, the fact that PlayStation Now is something that is an option for PC gamers, um, having access to some PS4 games is, you know, it, it's a big step in the right direction for them, I think. So, yeah, I wanted to highlight that and I wanted to get some thoughts from you guys on um, what you think of that. Uh, 
Um, so I'll go to you first, Max. What do you think? Um, like you were saying, I think this is pretty big news, and I think that it's definitely a good start. But I guess my one problem with it right now is that a majority of the games that are listed on there are multi-platform games, like games that you could already get on PC, and like that you may even already have, like for example, Evolve or Tropico Five or um, Hell Divers, Resogun, Broken Age, even. Um, I know that the UK is getting a lot more of these games right now according to this list and there's like heavy rain is on there for example which is awesome you know but from for what this list looks like right now there is really nothing on there like ps4 exclusive that's really intriguing honestly there's only a few things on there that are ps4 exclusive at all like heavy rain Killzone, Shadowfall, and yeah yeah, and god of war 3 remastered if i'm not mistaken um I don't think those are worth it alone, though. Like, this is something that's definitely going to have to grow. But I think this is a great start. I don't know how much the demand is for that. Like, how many people really that are on PC, like, want to play PS4 games? I feel like a majority of the people, myself not included, because I suck, um, have the PS4 and playing are playing those games right now. You know what I mean? Or have already played them and, like, have the PC-PS4 combination. But... I don't know. I think that it could definitely lead into something else. It definitely depends on how they play it out. But I agree as well that this should have been talked about more at E3. That is weird that it wasn't. Like, even during the conference, if they didn't do it on the stream, it could have gotten, like, 10 minutes, like, towards the end or something. Or maybe at the beginning before starting the show. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Sean, Sean Layden could have mentioned it briefly when he came out or something like that, you know? Definitely. But I do, I do agree with you that, you know, currently with these games listed here, you know, it's not that big a deal and it's nothing PC gamers should be running to at the moment, um, especially because of the pricing. I feel like they need to work on that too. But um, it, I just feel like I'm thinking more long term and I feel like if they keep working on this and keep adding more PS4 games to it, um, that could be pretty good for them and they might actually, you know, capture some, some um, PC gamers will subscribe and stuff so yeah especially if they add games like you know um the order 1886 or you know uncharted infamous games that are synonymous with the ps4 like you know that will pique people's interest i think what do you think is the likelihood of what do you think is the likelihood of them releasing those kind of top tier games on on the service Uh, it's it's probably unlikely to be honest because you know i'm sure Sony want to keep stuff like Uncharted um, for people who buy the console. You know, they probably don't want to give too much yeah. away. But... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying maybe that's why they didn't make such a big a big deal out of release out of this program and releasing of all these games with the PS format thing is because these aren't big games. These are games that everyone pretty much owns already, and nobody's gonna flock to it. So I think they're the promotion of this is going to start getting bigger if they start incorporating more games that are exclusive and games that people care about more. So we're just getting at the very beginning. So to criticize this right away, I think it's a little too early. I think give it a couple, you know, a couple test runs and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I think that... I think that it would definitely be great if they... And worth it if they added on games like, for example, Miguel just said in the um, chat, like Bloodborne or like early, early PS4 exclusives that people aren't necessarily buying anymore. Um, 
because you know there's all these other games to play and they're in the current scene with like games like Horizon and Near and all that stuff. Um, and that's just another way to get that sort of income stream, even if it's a small income stream, just and get the full value out of those games and just keep squeezing them a little bit more. I think that'd be interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think if they could release some level of exclusives, even if they're older ones, in sort of a similar way where Netflix will release shows after they've had their run on uh, on TV, then they'll come to Netflix in some cases, then uh, a yep. similar thing could be done that way. At least you've got something to say, this is only available on this service, and then that's uh, an incentive. Yeah, hey, so I, I, I agree with pretty much everything that you that you all had to say, but I, I have another question, you know, what, you know, you mentioned great games like Infamous Second Son, not on the list, uh, Uncharted, not on the list. Uh, where is Knack? Because uh, I think that that is the game that is that is that is the most popular game that, that definitely should be included in um, on this promotion at some point. I would think. Well, Rich, um, like the aim is to get people to buy the service. <laughs> yeah. Now listen, everybody loves Knack. You know, you know, we saw at E three people playing Knack too. They they they're like, hey man, this is this is fantastic. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. Um, I, you know, I do agree that, yeah, this, it's hard to really judge based on the list and, you know, you have to give them time to continue using the program, add better titles that, you know, similar to when Microsoft announced the backwards compatibility and people were complaining because they saw the list of games. They're like, well, where is this game? Where is that game? Eventually Microsoft added those games. Uh, it took a little bit of time, but, uh, people probably just have to be patient, uh, to see, you know, them add more to the actual service. But, um, yeah, I do agree. You know, they, they could have talked about it during the streams. I, I, I understand them not talking about it at the actual show that we was at because that was meant to be a showcase event where you just saw the games. And I, I love that format when they do those types of shows. So I'm fine with that. But, yeah, they could have talked about it on the streams uh, afterward. Um, but either way, you know, for those that use PS Now, I'm happy for them if they, you know, there's something for them to look forward to. You know, I don't really use PS now, so it, I don't have a need for the service, but I, I'm not going to bash it because uh, there are some that, that are fans of it. You know, I know we have Seth, who is a huge fan of PS now. So, hey, more power to you guys if you enjoy it. It's it's good that you have more things to look forward to. But um, does anybody else want to want to say something on this topic before we move on? Yeah, I mean, just to, to summarize my thoughts, like, I understand that the games that are there now aren't, you know, um, they aren't anything that would make people run to buy the service. But just the, the, the fact that the potential is now there, um, that's what, you know, makes me really think this is a big deal kind of thing, because now the possibility is there. And I feel like, you know, because Microsoft, they, they've had so much good press from having backwards compatibility and games pass and you know ps now is what is the is kind of what sony wants to be that for the ps4 so you know i feel like they should highlight it more and not treat it like you know just a, a side thing like a side project and stuff so that's my whole point with it i agree yeah but we'll see i mean 
they can add, I, I do I do think when they do announce these other games that are coming to the service, that'll probably be, you know, a lot of people will like those announcements when they actually announce games like Uncharted, stuff like that. People will love those announcements, but uh we'll see what happens. But yeah, you know, I guess this is something. Again, for those that like PlayStation Now, it's great for them. If you don't use PlayStation Now, you probably don't care, you know, but hey, if you use the service, it's more power to you. I have no complaints. You know, it's something as opposed to nothing, but just my opinion. So uh we should move on to the next topic. Uh and this is once again something else that uh I don't really know all the information about this. I only know that it has been something that has been talked about. Uh but uh maybe Max knows more about it since uh you know he um heavily, heavily supports Microsoft. Uh, you know, that's that's one of his uh favorite companies, correct Max? Oh, uh, is that so, true? I'm not yes. so sure on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so pretty much we we now know that uh, Xbox Live is going to soon allow users to gift games. Um, now, you guys who are PC players, maybe you can correct me. You can already do this on Steam, correct? Yes, one hundred percent. Okay, so yeah. so uh, what do you guys think of Microsoft now allow pretty much doing this with Xbox Live? You think this is something that was overdue for them to to do, or do you think it's it's nothing special? Yeah, I, 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 I'll go ahead. Um, oh, go ahead, Gary. You go. <clears throat> I think this is a great move. Like, this is a really, really smart move for them. I think because, um, like that's one of the biggest features on Steam. And then you know when you tie gifting in with the seasonal um, promotions that they do, like the sales and stuff, that's gonna get people buying loads of games and gifting games to people. Um, and like me personally, I, I find myself gifting, um, games a lot more during the sales that they have on Steam. So if they do something like that on Xbox Live, I think that's gonna, you know, is gonna really drive sales on the platform a lot. And just, just the fact that it's a convenient thing to do as well on a user level, like to be able to give someone a game, like, you know, it's really good for on the end user side. So. I think it's a smart move for for Xbox. And, I mean, we've been seeing consoles, you know, kind of go into a more um, PC direction over the years in terms of the services and the hardware as well. So, um, and Microsoft has the best potential on a console level right now because they're already doing things on Windows 10. Like, you know, I can... I can play games with, you know, you guys on, and you guys have an Xbox. Like, that's still amazing to me. So, yeah, um, this is very smart for Microsoft, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really, really uh, cool. I, um, I know that I've used Steam gifting quite a bit, so I'm sure that I'll be taking advantage of this, and I know that a lot of other people will as well. I think that I don't know if it's necessarily an overdue thing. Like I don't know if people are necessarily like begging for this. Like there were definitely some people that, that were like, "Hey, we should be able to gift and stuff." But um it's just a nice little touch and, you know, it's always nice to have those sorts of quality of life features uh on the platform on the platform you're using and in the store and everything. And it's just a really cool thing to have. Here's the thing that I want to say, and I think it's it's interesting because this could also have some ramifications for people that actually watch people play video games as far as a way for them to interact with their audience. Because I'm curious to know, 
what are the boundaries with it when it comes to gifting games over Xbox Live? Are you able to gift it to a person that you're not friends with on your friends list on XBLA? Or does it have to be limited to people that you've actually sent a friend request to? Because as someone that maybe might be playing games on like Twitch or might be posting stuff up on YouTube or again, whatever outlet and stuff that they might be doing stuff for, this could open up the ability for their audiences to kind of interact with them more and play games that they might want them to actually like stream or do content with uh, besides them actually, again, sending suggestions and stuff. But again, there's got to be boundaries someplace, or at least there's got to be some sort of limitations because I don't think that they're going to allow people to just like, you know, pay like super cheap for certain games and then just gift them to like you know specific people and i'm pretty sure it's only going to be limited to one gift you know for one purchase like that but i'm curious to see like what type of ramifications this would have in other avenues like that yeah that's a good point i know that twitch is even touching on doing things like that like i know that they're doing the affiliate program now where when twitch is when a streamer is playing a game people that buy it through that streamer they get a discount and the streamer gets some money so this is kind of like another avenue that maybe twitch can do something like that with that's a really cool idea or even mixer since that's what microsoft has been pushing lately since that's their thing very good points. Absolutely. So, I think uh, it's a wonderful idea as well. And it kind of took long enough. There are plenty of times when you, you know, you, you want to get that game for a friend and you just for some reason just can't seem to do it. Now you can actually go and make the purchase and give it to the friend that you want. And you guys can probably, you know, play together. And it, it, it allows for more of an experience and it brings people more together. And I like that idea. And there's been plenty of times when then there's a game that I couldn't afford. And I would love for anyone to purchase a game for me as well. So, I'm all for it. Wait a second. Are you, now, are you saying for those that see you playing now, so <laughs> you're telling them already, so definitely purchase a game to me in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that message too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, Nigel, go ahead. I, I think you're going to say something too. Oh, no, I just, um, no, I, I agree with the move. I think it makes sense, as Gary said, from um, a way to push more sales because it just gives people another reason to buy games, if not for themselves, for someone else. Um, but then that also has the, the social aspect that uh, Dana was saying is that just bringing people together, like, I like this game, I think you should play this game as well, um, just gives you a way to get it for that person so you can play together. So, yeah, it sounds good to me. I'm a little surprised they didn't um, announce this a little bit later, more towards the holiday. So to release hmm. it a little bit so early now, I mean, it's a good idea, but good I would have personally waited more towards the holiday. I'll make a bigger deal about it. You know, so far, well, it's I, I, think, I think I think I can answer that question as a theory, and, and some of you may disagree, but I, I think, uh, you know... Sony may implement this as well if they don't have not really thought about it yet. And, and they will be the ones to announce this holiday season. You know, if you want to purchase a, 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 a game for your friend, then, yeah, I could see them doing that, doing that as well. And then you're going to be like Microsoft may come back and think, well, yeah, we should have did this around the holiday season. But you never know what could happen. Yeah. But I, I think well, they still um, could. They, they yeah. still could make a, a big deal of it come the holiday season because I always feel that. Uh, when it comes to gaming news or any like tech news there's like the initial uh, announcement something like this might go to the the enthusiasts like uh, ourselves who are keeping you know uh, an eye on these things but the general population might not know this is a thing um, so it gives Microsoft a chance to then 
do their, you know, proper marketing thing, uh, you know, tis the season for giving or whatever they would do come uh, the holiday season to make a bigger push to get more in the mainstream um, uh, mind frame. I also think it now it gives them a grace period right now from now to the holiday season because think about it. They got from now from June all the way to the holiday season, like, you know, October, November, December. So that's a little bit over three months. So in case this doesn't go as well as they had planned like that, it gives them a little bit of leeway to maybe change things up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very, very good points all across the board. And I, I think Max is about to say something. Let me just say something real quick, though. Yeah. Um, You're good, Rich. The, the gifting, the gifting of the holiday season. I think, I think uh, Nigel hit it on the head. You know, they could come up with a creative slogan because you know they always have. Microsoft always has these slogans about you know <laughs> the greatest games lineup of, of you know in Xbox history. You know that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> they can come up with a nice little slogan for giving. So, because uh, but yeah, it, it is great. Like, like JJ said, a great grace period. We know that uh, Cuphead, Cuphead is coming out at the end of September, so. It would be great to start around that time, you know, get more sales for that game because that's a big, that's a game a lot of people have been looking forward to. Um, but yeah, great points all around. So, um, any other thoughts before we uh, move on to the uh, main topic for today? This is what Microsoft is giving us instead of exclusives. Oh, man. That right there is a, is a, uh, a shot taken at Microsoft, you know, that's uh, that's dangerous, dangerous territory. Um, but no, you, you got listen, Max, you got Crackdown coming later this year. That looked very disappointing. You have um, uh, Tacoma's coming out next month, so you, you, there's a couple of games. Oh wait, you can play those games on PC. Never mind. Um, there so you go. yeah, uh, we'll see, we'll see. To but be fair, but, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, to be fair, actually, uh, PC, I think it was PC Gamer did an article saying that Crackdown is actually really, really, really fun, um, which was reassuring to hear, and I'm actually surprised to hear that, but we'll have to see more on that. So I, 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 will, I will say this, it, 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 Crackdown can be fun. Um, I have to say, in the looks department, though, it's, 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 it's not looking too good. Uh, hopefully it is fun, you know, and this could be a situation where, you know, Looks aren't everything. Like you know, the game could still be great on on, on its own, but we'll see because Ages of Mayhem is coming out before that, and every almost every person I've I've spoken to said they're looking forward to that game more than Crackdown. So um, hopefully it does turn out to be good. But uh, I think the fact that Microsoft decided not to have a major presentation for that game at their conference that's that's a little worrisome right there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. So, uh, any final thoughts before we move on to our main topic? <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay, this topic is going to be very interesting because, uh, once again, you know, I had to think about the person that said this. You know, we we, we have seen Michael Pactor pretty much almost every time we've been at E3. We've seen him at some point uh, going we to talk with him a couple times. Oh, yeah, we did talk to him. I do remember that last year. Um, so he's a very nice guy, very interesting. Uh, an, uh, you know, he always has a couple of interesting thoughts. But uh, pretty much he made a statement recently that uh, he believes the PlayStation 5 will arrive sometime in 2019. So um, 
I know Gary wanted to discuss this to share our overall thoughts on this and whether or not that could be correct. So, Gary, how about you start us off and let us know what your thoughts on are on this particular prediction. Yeah, uh, let me be clear. This is something I definitely don't want to happen because I feel like we can still get a lot more out of this generation for a long time. But I, I feel like, you know, with the X coming out, um, now we know that there's not a lot of games coming for the Xbox at the moment in the near future. But as time moves on, time is probably going to favor the, the, um, the specs of the Xbox One X because they'll be able to get more out of it performance wise. So, you know, as developers want to get more out of their games, it's only natural. It's going to be better optimized for the most powerful system because, you know, that's just how time works with, with gaming. So because of that, I feel like that's going to put pressure on Sony to want to come out with another um, console. So I don't think it's that far fetched to say 2019, to be honest with you. Like I would, I would go 2020 maybe, but thinking like if I'm thinking like a business person, I don't feel that that's that far fetched for them to want to put something out in 2019 because, you know, like time is going to treat the Xbox One X better than the, the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 4 Pro because, you know, it's just it, they're going to be able to get more out of that system for longer. So, yeah, that's my thinking on it. So it might not be that far fetched. I know a lot of people have been kind of disagreeing with Michael Pactor on that, but I, I don't feel like it's that far fetched to be honest with you. But what do you guys think? I was going to say, like, I, I think it's more because I think because again, I haven't really watched the video and I haven't really watched exactly his his exact thoughts. But I think a lot of that thinking, not just from him, but from other people that might be agreeing with him or might be saying that, might be based off the fact that, again, we're getting new iterations of some of the current-gen consoles. So they think that a lot of the new uh, hardware, or just new iterations of hardware, or whatever the next step is, is going to come a lot more frequent than we've had in years past. The thing is, and I think that a lot of people need to look at, is that PlayStation and Sony in general doesn't need that right now. Not only are the developers not really clamoring for that, but also the sales and just the overall public is not really asking for that. It has nothing really to do with developers, what we've gotten out of the consoles currently right now, what we've gotten out of the PlayStation 4 Pro or just the PS4 in general. I think it's more as like, okay, is this really an immediate thing that people are going to dive into or going to want to dive into within the next year or so? Uh, I don't think we really got that type of response or at least the type of the response they were asking for when the PlayStation 4 Pro came out or since the PlayStation 4 Pro has been out. I know it's been selling, but I don't think it's been a thing where it's been really like an explosive a piece of hardware currently at the moment. Reason being is because a lot of people already had a PlayStation 4, or at least had a model of PlayStation 4 before the Pro that came out. So with the PS5, I, I'm kind of with Gary on it to an extent where I, I want to say like a late 2019 to 2020 time frame is when we start maybe start talking about that or when discussions start to pop up. I know a lot of people have been looking at different like events here and there in different parts of the tech industry trying to connect the dots as far as like either Sony looking into maybe a new type of like, you know, processor or new pieces of hardware in various different places as like a way to see like, oh, they're probably already thinking about the PlayStation 5, which is not far off to say, 
you know, most companies, whenever they have a, a product or console out there in the market, there's always that long grace period of when they're doing R&D for whatever their next console or their next piece of hardware is going to be. It's not just home consoles. It's also handhelds. You see the same thing with Nintendo. You see the same thing with PCs, obviously, with different tech companies that are out there. So maybe they're talking about it. Maybe they're thinking about it. Maybe they're in the R&D department right now trying to mull over whatever the PlayStation 5 is going to be. I don't think we get it like the actual consumer version of that product whatever it turns out to be anytime within the next two or three years i think there's still a lot more uh, of a grace period that we're going to get out of the playstation 4 just in general whether it's ps4 or ps4 pro before we really start seeing or hearing the rumblings of whatever sony's next console is going to be yeah and also uh keep in mind that 2019 will be six years since the launch of the ps4 the original and um last generation it was six years the cycle was six years so yeah i guess that it, considering that it makes sense to make a prediction like this i can see why uh why that would come because it follows the cycle but i feel like this this latest generation of consoles is is different in that the the hardware can last longer and uh like you said gary the um I stirred are people like asking for this. I feel I, I kind of feel like there's a um, kind of similar transition where like with TVs, you went from like standard def to high def and there was like a big clamor to get the latest high def uh, console. And then you've got other, sorry, TV. And then you've got other things like uh, uh, LED and uh, 4K where we haven't seen the same rush to go and get the latest technology. And I kind of feel something similar with consoles where going from say PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 to uh, Xbox uh, One and PS4 kind of can see a big difference and there's been more of an uptake but I'm thinking what's what's the next thing that's going to get people moving to buy more hardware and like, me personally I think like the Xbox One X is just making you know, stuffing more hardware, uh, more advanced hardware into a box isn't necessarily going to get it because people aren't going to see the immediate difference, if that makes sense. Um, so for that reason, I feel like this console generation will last longer, uh, maybe with a small iterations like the uh, PS4 Pro, but I think it will last longer than the previous one because the hardware is much better and there's still a lot more that can be squeezed out of it. I don't even feel necessarily to the point yet where we're even squeezing um, the the full potential out of these boxes so I wonder why why would someone you know what would be in a PlayStation 5 that would make someone want to go and get it by 2019 I mean yeah for that reason I kind of don't think this will happen at least not by 2019 unless something there's some reason for it and I, I don't see that yet So I, I think I think uh, that you all made great points. I, I I just wanted to say something real quick because I know Gary said something I thought was interesting. Uh, he did mention that you know eventually a lot of the games will get better on the Xbox One X. Um, I'm not entirely sure if that is that is true yet, based on what I have seen because I, I've I've been seeing reports of different games coming out, 
and pretty much the developers saying yes, it will. It, 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 it may run 4K. I mean, they're still trying to figure stuff out, but it's still going to be 30 frames per second, like it already is on the PlayStation 4 Pro. So there will be some developers that may not decide to really go all out with the Xbox One X and just have it at the same specs as the PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, but we'll have to see because I, I haven't really seen too many games coming out on the Xbox One X yet that I'm seeing a noticeable difference based on the specs that they've already said that they're going to have. Uh, with that said, though, I do agree that the six years in between, um, yes, that is correct. That that is, was the big thing with last generation. So it is possible, but the fact that they are releasing the PlayStation 4 Pro came out last year and then the Xbox One X, that may extend the time slightly, maybe by an additional year, I would say. Uh, but you know, it, it's no telling how they, how, how they'll go. What I, what I will say is that, you know, with Sony having all these major games coming out next year, you know, you got Spider-Man, which already is 2018. There's no date yet. You have God of War, which is early 2018. I, I think uh, with all those major games coming out next year, I think it may be slightly too soon to release that PlayStation 5 in 2019, unless it's at the tail end of 2019 going into 2020. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious they definitely are thinking about it, at, at least right now. Um, but... I, I still think, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe by the end of 2019, it's a possibility. But I, I, I personally, you know, I don't think it's necessary now because still so many games that are coming out, you know. And then, of course, we have Death Stranding and The Last of Us Part Two, which also will be out um, in the future. So I, I don't really think it's necessary to do to really do that unless you're going to straight up say Death Stranding is a PlayStation 5 game, which Kojima has already said it's not going to be that. But I guess things could change. But uh, that's just my opinion on, yeah. on the matter. I'm, I'm glad you said that because that was a major concern I had as well. Because I hate when major games come out at you know a transition point when there's a new console coming out. And like you, you're kind of forced to buy the new console to get the best version of the game, kind of. Like I, I hate when that happens. So I do hope that they do extend you know the period of time until PS5. But what I want to say as well to bounce off of what you were saying before, um, like there's going to come a point where 4K becomes like 4K TVs are going to become more standard. And that's when probably there's going to be a lot more pressure on developers to create 4K content, like fully 4K content for their games. And just by, you know, looking at what was shown of the Xbox One X, it it probably is going to handle 4K better unless the de developers specifically you know want to um develop it like optimize it for ps4 pro over the x but you know if if um if it's like if it's a case where the developers are going to make the game to the best of its potential on each platform then the x is probably going to handle it better so at that point you know that's when you may start to see um you know a shift to where that becomes the primary 4k system and if it, you know, if it gets to that point, you know, then Sony are going to be pressured to want to release something new. So, but do you think that, yeah. because as I understand, like Sony are selling more consoles right now, um, and developers prefer to go with what, uh, you know, match this, uh, the requirements of the system that is selling the most. So if Sony aren't necessarily, um, 
leading the 4K uh, revolution? Do you think that would affect the again the need to to do games in uh, full 4K? Because again, well, I, I, I said other than enthusiasm, and this, again, this could change. This could be a, a terrible prediction, but um, outside of like enthusiasts, you think like the average gamer will will demand will be demanding 4K games by say 2019. Uh, well, probably not. I mean, like 4K is still something that a lot of people were just hearing about. And what you said is correct because right now, you know, Sony has a lot of power and influence with, you know, their partnerships with the publishers. Because, for example, yeah. Destiny, the the game Destiny, um, that that's gonna, not going to perform better on the Xbox One X. So, yeah, they can pull that card um, probably for a long time because you know Sony has the numbers out there. So um, publishers probably will side with them in terms of optimizing for their console. Yeah. So yeah, you raise a good point there. Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, Dana or Max, do you have anything you would like to add? Um, I've been thinking. I'm still not a hundred percent sure how I feel about this whole thing because I remember we talked about this before. Uh, I think it was a couple months ago now, and. I was leaning more towards this sort of thing happening. Uh, the PlayStation 5 not necessarily coming out around 2018, 2019. In fact, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that it will start being talked about um, at the earliest uh, 2019 and possibly even be released in 2020, maybe 2021. Because to me, not that I think these new consoles are an awful idea, like the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro, but to me, I still see that those consoles as more of a situation where Sony and Microsoft kind of screwed up with their first consoles, with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. They didn't really jump on anything with VR. They know the 4K trend is coming, and they sort of under-delivered on the power of these consoles. Not that they're not powerful, but I think that they could have done a lot more, and I think they realized that because VR was still in a weird state at that time, if you remember, and people were still thinking that even the Scorpio may come with like some sort of VR capabilities, and that's still something that's really going to be capitalized on soon as uh, VR headsets start to become at more of a consumer-level pricing. And I know that there's the PSVR, but for some reason, Sony hasn't really taken advantage of that. I don't know why, even though they originally were pushing it a lot. But um, so since the Xbox One X is like out now, I feel like Sony, not that they don't have a choice, but I feel like it'd be smart of them to try and think long-term and to try and combat that. Because I feel like at this point, we're not going to be getting another Xbox for a while because the point of the Xbox One X is to you know, be a very powerful system. But the thing is, Sony isn't going to come out with a console that isn't, or that's weaker than the Xbox One X. At least I wouldn't expect them to. But they also need to kind of combat that in a little bit, especially if the 4K TV trend does start picking up a lot as those prices drop. I know that the PS4 Pro can do 4K, but I feel like if they want to take full advantage of this sort of thing and the power of it's just, just newer hardware in general, they're going to have to come out with a PlayStation 5 or whatever it is to kind of combat the Xbox One X. But And then these, then standard console generations are just going to be gone. 
like because you know we have the xbox i and like i said we're not going to be getting an xbox one x in 2019 or a new xbox in 2019 2020 or 2021 so they'll just have playstation then maybe the next xbox will come in like 2023 2024 but there won't be another playstation and you know things will just sort of come out as they come out instead of right next to each other but that's just a prediction of course good points how about you dana I think it's really um, a little too early to be talking about a PlayStation 5 right now. I think, like it was previously stated before, around 2019 is when we'll start getting those official discussions, and then around 2021 is when we'll start actually seeing stuff. Um, I do believe absolutely they're working on it right away. My thing is that with technology, I honestly believe that the second that they release, say, a PS4, the next day they're working on the PS5. So... You know, they're, the company itself is always talking and thinking about it. But for us right now, I don't think we have anything to worry about. We have, you know, our money to waste on the other games that are coming out that are really something that I'm looking forward to, even more so than a PS5. What do you think would need to be in a PS5 to make people want to go out and spend another however many hundreds well, to I get one? I think it was exactly what was previously said. You have to work with the 4K TVs, and right now it's not really that popular. There are not many people know about it. You have to work in conjunction with the television companies and to get it more out there in the market. But for right now, I don't see that happening. No one, except for you know, a small handful of people and a small handful of gamers right now, are really thinking about 4K. And 4K mm. itself, to me, is just way expensive. So they have to work with them on lowering their prices of their, t- of their television. The television for 4K for me is almost around actually $4,000. So $4,000 plus a new console, that's a lot of money. And then I have to play, buy a game. So wait until 4K gets more popular, wait until their prices drop down, and then I'll be excited for a PS5. I, uh, I, yes, excellent thoughts. I, I just want to answer Nigel's question real quick. He said, so what, it, what is it going to take for uh, people to be convinced that PlayStation 5 is something they need? It's simple. Uncharted 5, a new generation, <laughs> with, with uh, Nathan Drake's daughter as the lead protagonist. <laughs> That could definitely do it. Okay. And okay. Rise of Zero Dawn 2. Yeah. Rise of Zero Dawn 2. Yeah. That, that's it. Game over. Basically. Um, cool. I think that. I, I think that some sort of VR, assuming that VR becomes like a normal thing in consumer level, um, like, you know how they tried bundling in the Kinect? Um, with the Xbox One or even the Xbox 360 oh, yeah. when they announced it. And we all thought it was going to be this really cool thing. If whatever... Yeah, they dropped that they Exactly. If they include something like that that actually delivers and that they actually keep uh, keep going and actually has really cool stuff, I think that would be the best way to consoles. And I think VR is like... It's honestly... It's like that's given to them right there. You know, they can make a partnership 
with um, one of these companies or Sony can reiterate on PSVR and just create some killer exclusives that are only available on the PS5. But the thing is, like, VR is integral to the console. Not saying that every game has to be VR, but it's just another feature that just, it's again, it's part of the console, just like how the Kinect was supposed to be a part of the Xbox One, and then they came out with the S, and then it wasn't, but that's beside the point. Um, like, that would be really cool, because, like Victor was saying in the chat, power, like, it's getting to a point where it's getting much harder to see the graphics difference in these games, unless you're, like, really into that sort of thing. Like, I don't think casual exactly. people are really paying attention to that as much anymore. They need something more than that now, than just realistic graphics. They need a new yeah. way to play a game. Like, I think that's why the Switch is doing so well, partly because it's blending the portable and the handheld or the portable and the home kind of console you know it's actually providing something new rather than just something prettier even though it's the same thing we got before yeah i totally agree i i do think in a weird way we're a place where at least like visually the games are good enough so for the average person who's who's got one of these consoles where if you bring out ps5 and if it only did 4k i don't feel that's going to make anyone move with any great speed to get the new con to spend is especially to spend uh, the amount on a new console just to get slightly better di- uh, graphics. Where maybe the average person, only if you put the you know the two side by side, would you ever be able to see? Oh, I'm, I've got the inferior um, graphics. So I definitely agree that there would have to be just something different aside from the uh, aside from the visual. So either a new way to play. So maybe you've got uh, VR uh, in from the start. Maybe they've managed to find a way to uh, make VR more efficient and give you two headsets. So now you've got a whole different um, possibilities in terms of gaming right out of the box. But I think it would have to take just perceptibly different, like that can the average person can see, oh, this is a completely different way to interact with these games. I'm going to be interested in, in buying that. Outside of that, I don't, I don't see where any... Um, Kind of new console will succeed just doing a bit more uh, of the same, which is kind of why I'm I'm not too optimistic about the Xbox One X because I feel it just does a little bit more of the same. Exactly, which I still feel like even the Xbox One and the PS4 did to a degree. They're just doing more of the same for the most part. Like they're just bigger and prettier of the stuff we've yeah, yeah. gotten before. Whereas last gen, we get we still get innovate innovation this gen, of course. But I think last gen was just explosions of innovation whereas here is just yeah. iterating on that more more so than anything else yeah so i feel like this is the yeah. generation where you this will be the end of just iterating the next generation has to do something that's totally different yeah exactly <laughs> agreed absolutely excellent discussion uh so uh does anybody else have any thoughts they like to say before we uh, get ready to wrap up uh, this topic in the show? Do you uh, do you possibly see Sony borrowing from Nintendo, and you know maybe you have a super 4K home system, but then you also have a high quality handheld that you can take with you and continue gaming? The new Vita. Wait, hold on. Vita, Vita yeah. 4K. <laughs> Vita 4K, Gary. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, I, I don't know if they can do do a handheld in 4K, but like maybe the home system itself, when it's playing on your TV, I, can play in 4K. I think they're crazy enough to do it. Honestly, yeah, and they already have remote play and stuff too. 
So like they've dabbled in that sort of idea. Yeah, they yeah, do have like elements of it. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really crazy really? enough to do it. And and I think they have the biggest shot as far as like revisiting that concept. I think though, uh, it, it has to be noted that obviously because Vita didn't really do as well as like a lot of people had hoped, especially them. But I, the thing is though, is that, that that platformer, that ecosystem still lingers and it still thrives because of all the games that get released on it. Even though they're yeah, not huge, huge games, they still, the, the developers that do make games for Vita still make a profit on the games that are released on there because people that own Vitas buy games it's been said by a bunch of different people with that idea as far as like bringing that type of experience on the go i think there's there's something to be discussed there i think there's something to be explored but will we see something like that anytime soon i doubt it i think right now they really don't need to explore other avenues like that with how good they're doing right now with ps4 and their lineup specifically and before anything else i don't know if they revisit that handheld notion anytime soon within the next couple of years maybe after ps5 because i really think that like if there's any sort of stuff going on behind the scenes right now that's being discussed, they probably are doing R&D for PS5. Oh, to go back to what we were originally talking about. Yeah, um, and I, I just want to say something real quick. I think Max is going to say something, but I, I just want to say I, I do agree with with, with uh, JJ said that they they definitely are crazy enough to explore it. But I agree that they they have to. You know, right now PlayStation Four is doing excellent. I don't see a need for them to focus on that other stuff too much. But they do need to focus on PlayStation VR as well. And I think that once they have proven that PlayStation VR is is, an, is also in a great position, then they can try these other ventures. But they're doing great right now with PlayStation 4. So I don't really think they need to be looking too far outside that in VR with the uh, mobile stuff. But no, Max, was you, was you going to say something? Um, no, I was I was just more like agreeing with people. I didn't really have anything much more to add. I think that that was a great point that JJ brought up. I just hope that people don't get, like, I don't want to say bored. Like, if they just do another, the same thing with the PS5, because you guys are right. They're killing it with the PS4. But I feel like, can they do that again? If it's just the same thing next time around? Because, yeah, keep coming out with killer killer software for the PS4. And then by the time you need to move on from the PS4, maybe they'll have something like what we were talking about earlier that's like the next big thing that isn't just bigger and prettier again. I feel like that it'd be fine again the next time around, but I think it'd be a missed opportunity if they just did the same thing again. I guess still Sony might be watching what, I guess how VR does their VR, um, people's response to that. And then maybe even Mm -hmm. looking over at Nintendo as well to seeing... Um, how well the Switch really does over the long term, uh, yeah. and maybe that will inform. So they, I could see them. So I'm sure, like right now, they they are thinking about the options, uh, and I can see that being a very fluid situation, depending on how the market goes, and them just maybe changing. Maybe the Switch continues to do well, continues to bring new experiences, and they go, okay, now we're going to shift towards this direction. Maybe they do think about, you know, how do we do something similar, similar far next console yep so I, I think they're i imagine they're still in this stage of, of looking for what exactly does our next console look like where is this industry going and how can we make something that uh, that meets that rather than um doing the same but a bit better which i hope i hope they're thinking about i could be wrong i could like michael pactar i've made many uh missed uh, uh predictions in gaming so 
Uh, who knows? I, I, I think I, at one stage I, I said that a, um, a 3D GTA wouldn't work. I think that was like my most famous uh, prediction. I, I remember the words exactly. So who, who, what do I know? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think you're right. And like, keep in mind, I think VR is going to sneak up on us and it's going to be something big eventually. Because remember, even Nintendo was like, hey, yeah, we're going to look into VR with a Switch and see if it can work and like come up with our own type of headset and everything. Like that is something that is very important that I, I don't know if enough people are putting that much stock into right now. Like, I think that it's just gonna, it's gonna, it's creeping up on us slowly. Right now, it's a lot of independent developers focusing on it. But once a lot of the kinks get worked out, and again, once it gets more to more consumer level of pricing, I think we're really gonna see a push with VR. I really do. Yeah. Well, even with, like, we're talking about PlayStation now, and uh, didn't that start with the OnLive console? Oh, yeah. And then they brought, I forgot they about that. So that was, yeah, so that's an example of like you know someone an independent someone independent came out with this sort of new technology, didn't work for them, but it sort of then led to you know one of the bigger players uh, incorporating that, and now you've got something that that does work. So yeah, that that could happen. Absolutely, yes, great conversation overall. So uh, we'll see what happens. Twenty nineteen, I don't know about that, but. Hey, PlayStation 5 is definitely coming, so stay tuned for that whenever Sony decides that they need to make that announcement. But uh, is that's it for this topic. Are you guys ready to wrap up the show? Does anybody have one last thing to add? I did have uh, one quick question, but it's, uh, it's not on the same topic. All right, so, so ask anyone the, else have go, ahead, go ahead and ask the question. Okay, I just wanted to ask quickly if anyone here watched Castlevania on uh, Netflix. Hell yes! yes it's I amazing. Did. I, did. And I, know, I got I got opinions about that. I got opinions about <laughs> Castlevania that are not popular. I'm put it that way. All right, let, let's mm. let's hear, let's hear, let's hear the opinions. Go ahead. You can yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah. So 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 main gist with Castlevania. I, I agree with a lot of people with the sentiments of how good it looks. I think the animation looks nice and spot on in the way that it was presented. It's it's one of the better adaptations of a video game in anime form. And especially for the Castlevania series or the franchise in general, uh, especially with how Konami has handled the IP for the long time right now. However, uh, I think that not only the series suffers because of how limited it is, it, it's only four episodes. It doesn't really have a lot of room to wiggle around and really not only construct the world and construct the universe that it's taking place in, but really flesh out all the characters like it, and, and offer enough action and events to complement it all. It, it, it does its uh, way for not only giving a reason why Dracula has uh, has this overall hatred for humanity. I think it's a very well thought out reasoning why Dracula would be so uh, crazy to destroy humanity. And, and it makes sense in the grand context of things. However, I feel like after that first episode, which, you know, at the very end is when you finally get introduced to Trevor Belmont, like at the last like minute or so, not even, uh, once it gets past that point and it starts going to episode two and three, it takes a nosedive, in my opinion. It, it really drags. And while there's a little bit of action here and there, uh, the, the whole series is really supposed to be based off of Castlevania three Dracula's Curse. And I feel like you don't get hardly anything with that whatsoever until the very very end when they start to blend in elements from that game and also try to mesh it up with stuff from symphony of the night and right when you think like it's going to get good and when it's going to pick up momentum and really start getting into what this series is all about it kind of ends abruptly 
Now, let's be real for a second. It's going to get a season two. They already got greenlit for season two, and they're going to get eight episodes. They're going to get double the episodes of what they had. But I still feel like this first season should have had a 10-episode run because you would have already had enough time to build up all the characters, specifically Trevor Belmont, who is the hero and who should be our main character, which more time should have been devoted to him from the very get-go of what's going down. But also really kind of give us more about what the Castlevania series is all about and really give a lot more nods to the franchise for fans than what I saw. You don't hear any of the Castlevania music save for one piece of music, which I think is very vaguely loosely based on something from Symphony of the Night, which I believe is the menu theme when you first see Alucard. Uh, And also... Uh, it, it, it ends up sounding very dour throughout. Like, granted, there's some humorous elements, specifically in the second episode, that kind of you know plays with not only the R rating and the mature take on the property, but after that, there's nothing much more of else. It feels like a lot of filler that's in those four episodes for such a short season, for such a short run, which feels weird to say that because I expected more. It started off so good and it started off so promising. But by the time I was finished watching those last uh, those last two episodes or that last episode, I felt very disappointed. And I wanted to see more because I think it looks great. And I think that's what everybody's getting caught up on and really falling into the hyperbole of it all. But let's be real for a second. I think that there has to be more than just good looks here. There needs to be more of a substance. There has to be a better handling of the story. And it feels like they just, for whatever was going on within the limited budget that they had, they couldn't decide whether they really wanted to focus on what the events were of the game. Because you get characters like Saifa, you get characters like Trevor, and you get Alucard. But then you're missing Grant. You're missing some of the other kind of like monsters that don't even really impact most of the series until the last episode. Or even, the, I should say, the first and the last episode where you actually see Trevor fighting monsters like he does in the games. But even then, I feel like it's very limited, and it's only limited because it, it almost feels like it was rushed out. It should have been given more time, even delayed, to get like a 10-episode run, and we probably would have gotten a better series overall. Um, that's actually a really interesting point. I agree in terms of how it takes sort of a nosedive in terms of how it slows down and everything. I feel like Trevor... Like, Trevor was more there to kind of push the story along, more so than the story being about him. Like, all these events seemed to be happening around happening around him, and he was just kind of a part of it all and just kind of getting engaged with it all rather than these being anything really about him. But um, do you think that part of the reason it's so short and everything, because I'm the same way, right when it ended, I didn't know that there was four episodes. I kept in the dark on purpose, like, when the end of episode four happened i was like oh shit this is about to get real and i was ready to lock in and then it just ended do you think that part of that is because they weren't sure how the series would handle so they just decided to sort of set up all this lore and if the show bombed then the show bombed but since it did so well in ep- in season two they can really work on everything since a lot of it's established now they'll still introduce more of course but they can really just branch off of that and go from what's been established and have a really strong season two. Oh, uh, probably Here's the problem, though, is because a lot of people keep pointing to the limited budget of the series. Like, it's been put out there that I forgot the guy's name that was actually producing it, where he talked about it openly. And he said, like, oh, he's going to be doing a lot of stuff and that season two is going to be even bigger and better. And that's fine and dandy. But I don't think that's a reason to excuse how these four episodes were handled. I feel like they really needed to bring all the stops to really make it good and i understand that a lot of the reason why it's getting a season two is because so many people are watching it but Mm -hmm. from the bar that they've set thus far besides the look and and the overall tone of the series because i think the mature 
uh, approach to Castlevania is the right choice. I think that's the yeah. better choice for the franchise in general. If this one ended up being more episodes and ended up being really good, where it was just the complete Castlevania 3 storyline, I would have been on board and I would have been like, now I want to see the original Castlevania get adapted. I want to see Simon Belmont after that. I want to see uh, Richter Belmont. I want to kind of like explore all this other stuff because Castlevania as a franchise is very rich in its history and it's rich in the types of stories that they get into, even though some of it could get really outlandish and crazy. There's a lot of breathing room there for them to tell interesting stories and even take creative liberties when they need to do so. But from what I saw there, it, it seems like it was a little bit confused because it wants to be based and, and, and adapt a faithful adaptation of Castlevania three but it, it gets away so much within the second and third episode from Castlevania 3, and it focuses too much on focusing on giving reasons why certain things end up being the way they are without really kind of like building up everything else around it. And like you said, Trevor Belmont is there to kind of push the story along. I think that's the wrong decision because the mm. whole Castlevania storyline is based on the Belmont clan's struggle against Dracula. It's their blood feud. The Belmonts... Yeah. In all the Castlevania games, are the heroes of the world. That's that's really how they're presented. There, they're, they're, every single Belmont is tasked with killing Dracula in their generation. He appears every every single one hundred years. His castle appears and does all these different things. I think it would have been interesting at some point to set it up not just with how they did with Dracula and his reason for hating humanity, but by the time this first season ended, uh, just. Get, give us the full Dracula's curse or Castlevania 3 storyline and give a reason as to why uh, Dracula appears every single hundred years and have it be that it's his blood feud and his overall hatred for the Belmonts for stopping him for getting his revenge on humanity. That would have been an awesome, much more better uh, approach to it. And maybe that's what they're doing now with season two. But I feel mm. like that should have been all in season one. That All of that should have been more of their primary focus rather than just like throwing something and see if it sticks. I don't think that was the right decision right there. And people okay. are excusing it. That's my biggest problem is that so many people are excusing it. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Well, I, I, I do have something to say, but uh, did, did anyone else want to talk on the show beforehand? Gary or Nigel? Well, I haven't been able to watch it yet. Oh, okay. Uh, Dana, have you seen yeah, it? I haven't, I haven't, yeah, I haven't I watched it. it. It was kind of right. very uneven. <laughs> and, and it was, you know, it was exactly what um, JJ was saying before. It started off very strong. I love the animation. I love the dialogue. I think it was written very sophisticatedly. But then it just got very boring. And it just didn't have the same pacing continuously. And then for me, it kind of ended very abruptly. And even if you do have a limited budget, with that limited budget, you still know what kind of story it is that you want to tell. And I feel like they didn't have a direct direct, they didn't have a focused direction on where they wanted to go. And by having it end just so abruptly, it can either do one of two things. It makes you want to watch more. It just makes you become just so disgusted with the whole situation. Because even though it is four episodes, it's four hours that you kind of wasted on a show that you really got into and was just shortchanged at the end. So for the next season, luckily they did get reviewed, as he was saying. So by them being renewed, I do hope that with these eight episodes that they're able to flesh out a story more and that it doesn't end so abruptly. And we have a better introduction into characters and we have a better introduction into storyline. And the pacing, they really have to work on the pacing. 
because it is a very beautiful story that they're trying to tell and it is a very beautiful show overall just visually stunning and the writing is just very captivating but you need to know where it is that you want to go for people to actually want to continue watching do you think that part of that's also just the focus on binge lately and just the way shows are designed around binging now because the way that that last episode ended is like that's a huge cliffhanger and that's a huge like oh we're ready for more type of thing and they know that once season 2 starts we'll just all be watching it in one sitting and i think they expected us to do that with the first one too and to kind of treat it almost as a movie rather than just as like four short episodes and i think think that could be part of why they did some of the decisions they did because Netflix that has affected the way that shows have been coming out lately is the sort of binge watching right feels I, like I an think... incomplete movie feels yeah like an incomplete movie <clears throat> and and you know it can work one or two ways you can have people want to continue and, and keep watching or it can just completely turn people off and what they did was a huge gamble because there was no guarantee that they even would be renewed for a second season mhm yeah, that's true. At that point, then they were writing off the name. At that point, person, what they did, or really smart. I was gonna say, at that point, then at you come up with a complete story, you don't just leave it halfway. Because if anything, then you're gonna kind of you know give a little bit less faith to the people that are investing time into what you're watching. But even then, like I said, I it feels like it was rushed, and they were just throwing anything at the wall and see if it stuck. That's mm-hmm. really what it was. But hopefully, now with season two. We get a complete story. I want season two now with these 10 episodes or eight episodes they're going to get because they're getting double uh, than the first season that it actually completes the Trevor Belmont storyline because Castlevania is bigger than just one Belmont. There's a whole bunch of Belmonts they could go into. And for me, the next logical conclusion for them to go in, if they ended up doing the second season and going to a season three, if it's that popular, doing Simon Belmont and actually adapting the original Castlevania storyline and giving it that same type of handling that they did for Castlevania three. It's just, it, it makes more sense to me for me to do something like that. The only thing that I'm worried about, though, is that the same guy that's producing this series, he also came out and said that he's also doing a series on Assassin's Creed. And I'm oh, like, yeah, well, yeah. shouldn't you finish Shouldn't you finish your first project first or at least make that one successful and make that one viable before thinking about or talking about all this other stuff? Because if Castlevania is not good, I don't want to see an Assassin's Creed uh, from the same people like that. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. To actually do that. Now, I know how the business works where there's a lot of conversations going on at the same time. You have a lot of eggs in different baskets. But for for someone, at least from my understanding, that's a little bit unproven with, with not only a, a franchise like this, but also is it, it, having such a cautious approach to such a big IP. Like that, and I say big IP very loosely or in quotation marks because, again, the Castlevania franchise IP is kind of in the gutter right now because of Konami. It, it's just right that... Now. I feel disappointed with what I was presented. I, I want to see more. Don't get me wrong. I want to see more, and I want to see it actually succeed. But from what we got in in the grand scheme of things, I feel it was very disappointed. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I, I would like to make a quick comment. I believe, Gary, you did see it, correct? I think no, he said I he didn't. I oh, you didn't? Seen that. Okay, so all right, so I guess I'll be the last one to make a comment. I, I just will make this quick comment about the series. Uh, right off the bat, let me just say this: uh, the series successfully made me root for Dracula because if anyone does that to my woman, you best believe there will be hell to pay as a result of that. So I do agree that it was it was far too short, 
far, far too short. The four episodes, I agree with pretty much everything that was said. It was too short. Uh, and hopefully, yes, it, we can get more with the second season being greenlit. But I will say that the violence, the mature rating, uh, all of that stuff, I, I, you know, I, I'm 100% on board with it. Uh, I think mm. I've said in the past, I'm a huge fan of the Spawn animated series. Still pissed that that series is, is gone, you know. Uh, but it was okay. But yeah, they, they definitely, there's a lot that they need to do with that because, again, only four episodes, they're not really too much to work with. And even I recall talking to JJ about this when I found out that the show was coming out. This Friday, even I thought, well, that's I was hyped. Soon. I was hyped. Yeah, I was you, hyped. you remember we were talking? I was pretty hyped. I was like, oh snap, it's already done. Like I was expecting like an anime series, like what we see on Netflix's catalog right now. When you go to the anime uh, genre line, I was expecting like maybe 10, 20 episodes, twelve episode run. Usually, like the median amount of episodes you would get with a Netflix series, not just an anime, but like any Netflix series out there is usually between ten and twelve episodes. Like yeah, that. and I was pretty hyped for it. Yeah, but 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 as we learned once uh, we heard, oh, it's coming out this Friday. That's awesome. And then we turn on Netflix, four episodes. What the fuck is this? You don't have to ask the question. Whoa, what's going on with this? I was down with that until I saw like how the episodes were going, especially with them being short. They're only twenty minutes long. I expected more. Yeah, twenty minutes for four episodes. That that's eighty minutes right there. Granted, yeah. that's like a short movie, but like I was expecting like thirty or forty minute episodes, like how you would get in any Netflix series. Right there when you have a Netflix original. But again, everything is different. Maybe that it changes it up in, in season two, like I said. Wow, you I, know, did so- not, I did not know that it was only 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Gary. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised when I heard it. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that's very surprising. Yeah, so I mean, it's about maybe 90 minutes total at, to get through all the whole, I mean, all episodes. It's supposed to be like a 30 minute TV show. But uh, yeah, Gary, you could definitely watch that and you'll be done with it today if you watched it. Yeah. You can do it in one sitting. Yeah. You know something interesting though is if you guys know these Seven Deadly Sins Netflix anime, they did season one, which I think is like twelve or fourteen episodes as normal. But and it was really popular. And then season two is only four episodes. Thing in reverse, which is really really weird. Like there's more coming, I know, but I just don't understand that sort of thing. Like maybe that's just a way Netflix is doing things now. It's well, a they- budget thing. The- because yeah. it's not just Netflix that does that. Because remember, HBO did that with The Sopranos a while back, and I think they're doing the same thing now with Game of Thrones with their final season, where it only has like uh, what is it, like six episodes, episodes or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's, eight, it's, yeah, or the last eight, two above eight episodes. Okay, so okay. so yeah, like they're much shorter than what you typically get like that. It has to do with budget, but it also has to do with just wrapping everything up in like a good concise way. Some series you would expect, like for example, Star Trek: The Next Generation had like what, like fifteen episodes or something for its final season. Or no, it, it, like in the season right before the final season, and then it only had so many in season seven. Like that's not mm-hmm. a new thing, and that to me that makes more sense when you're actually finishing the series off rather than when you're starting it up and trying to get people invested in it. I see. Okay. Yeah, I do think the good thing about Netflix and and this model is that, uh, I guess, budget aside, people are given the room, whether it's more or less, to tell the story that needs to be told. Um, so I think if you're you're staying too true to the story, you're telling the, the whole story. It doesn't sound like they're doing that in uh, in this case. But in general, if you're doing that, then it's fine if if you've got less episodes, just as many as you need to tell the story without any waste or leaving people unsatisfied at the end. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, man, right, but just just to reiterate, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens with the season two. 
I guess you could say that this is a starting point as opposed to having no serious. So I guess uh, it's okay in those regards. But uh, yeah, I would say for those that, uh, you know, and obviously something else that you should see, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you all need to go see Spider-Man. We're going to talk about that on another podcast. Not today because, you know, but I enjoyed the hell out of Spider-Man. I might as figured I might as well mention that since Gary said he wanted to mention Castlevania, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, uh, definitely check that out. But uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show for today? No, I'm good. I said too much already. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we're we're good. We're good. So uh, we thank you all for checking out this week's show. Um, We definitely also thank Nigel for being on the show, Um, and uh, I would just like to. Let you all take your time to give your final sh- shout outs. Uh, Nigel, feel free to plug uh, the website and what you're doing again for those that might have missed it earlier. Yeah, sure. So, uh, like I said at the, the beginning, we've got our social gaming event, Gaypad, happening um, on the 2nd of September. And it's about, yeah, having fun, playing games, meeting new people. Uh, and if anyone is in London or around London uh, or you want to get on a transatlantic flight that day, feel free to go to mymatter.com slash gamepad and you can see all the information and ticket details there. Sounds good. All right. For, for other shout outs, uh, Dana, you have any shout outs that you would like to give? I'm just going to say, you know, I enjoyed the show and shout out to the coalition for producing wonderful content and all the writers who contribute. Yes, thank you. And when you say coalition, you mean the C, right? Not 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 the K. Uh, you know, yeah. The C and the K. yeah, let's give a shout out to the C and the K, both coalitions <laughs> doing good stuff. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mr. Lugo, any final words or shout-outs? Uh, yeah, just shout-out to everybody in the chat. Thanks, you know, for all the feedback, for all the cool stuff you guys are putting in the chat, you know, the communication, the back and forward. It's always good. We like seeing that every single week we do the podcast. Shout-out to the patrons, as always. Thank you for you guys' patronage. We appreciate you. Thank you for allowing us to keep doing more cool stuff for all of you guys out there. Uh, shout-out to everybody leaving comments and, and posting up stuff uh, in the articles and the reviews and all the podcast posts, the video posts all over the place. We appreciate that as well. And just shout out to everybody that interacts with us on Twitter and other forms of social media. Again, we love communicating with you guys. We love uh, just, you know, having an open uh, kind of like door policy technically when it comes to actually reaching out and uh, going back and forth with all of you on all the stuff that we produce for you guys on the website. So thank you a ton. Absolutely. Max, any shout outs or final words? going on oh there we go sorry that was weird um yeah pretty much just echoing what jj says uh thanks everyone for always tuning in we love hearing your comments and chatting with you guys in the sh- about the show you guys always leave insightful stuff that we can get that continues the conversation honestly and that allows us to keep it going with interesting topics and all that sort of stuff so yeah i hope to see you guys next week Yes, uh, and I, I definitely want to give a quick shout-out to everyone in the, in the chat. I did see there was a couple of comments for those that did not like Spider-Man. 
I definitely would invite you to come back when we do have that discussion because I want to figure out why you didn't like the movie. But uh, yeah, shout out to everybody who continues to support the site as well as, you know, everything that we've been doing on YouTube as well as the Patreon su- su- uh, su- subscribers. Um, so Gary, uh, the floor is yours now. Feel free to let us know who the winners were as well for the Hellblade giveaway. Okay, yeah, so first things first, I'm going to shout out the Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins, Sean Gorety, um, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lelowen Leslie, and Nicholas Alvarez. And of course, we are giving away a copy of Hellblade um, once it releases, and we've been running a giveaway. And we thank all the people who um, who entered the giveaway. And as you know, uh, Patreon supporters, you know, as part of the Patreon um, package, they get, you know, more tickets into the giveaway. So the two winners, they actually were from Patreon. Um, so the winners are Nicholas Alvarez and Himdil. So congratulations to both those people. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Go ahead. I just was going to say real quick. So, yes, congratulations to them both. But uh, I did want to let everybody know we are going to be doing another giveaway soon. Uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to vote on the game we give away in August. So stay tuned for that soon. Uh, I am going to make sure that I spread that message around so everybody votes because I don't feel like a lot of people voted for the last one. So, but yeah, we'll definitely share that information soon. But yeah, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, I just wanted to um, give one last shout out uh, to the people who, who joined us in the chat. Um, shouts to Victor, Miguel, Blackstar, and Damien was in there as well. Shouts to him. Um, and I saw you guys didn't like Spider-Man, so I'm going to be hitting you up on Twitter to hear these opinions right now after the show. So, yeah, that's pretty much it from me. Yeah, so that concludes our episode for this week. Uh, hope that you all have a great week ahead, and we will talk to you all next week.